give life, you alone, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken, and
Everybody go and take a second and turn around and say hello to somebody. glad you're here. If you're new here, go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through. Help us feed a needy family for Thanksgiving. As a church, we want to feed 100 families this year, and we can do it for $30 per family. If you want to help, give the money to Chuck, or you can give online. Just choose turkey as the giving type. Thanks for helping us feed families for Thanksgiving. New Vine Youth Halloween Costume Party is tonight from 4 to 6 p.m. Wear a costume and join us for food, fun, and prizes. All youth grades 6 to 12 are welcome. Uh, step up here on this chair and close your eyes. All right, and then everybody fill in. And we're going to ask you to fall, and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. I'm going to count to three. Just relax and fall. Okay? One, two, three. No, wait, no, no. Thanks for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service. Good morning, kids. How's everyone doing? Welcome to fall, right? And next week you get an extra hour of sleep. That's on me. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, if you serve in one of our ministries, we, we have a servant bank. We haven't done it for a couple of years because the plague. Remember the plague of 2020? So uh, if you serve in a ministry, you need to go after church in the cafe. Sign up and you'll get a ticket. Shonda will be in there. And, uh, and it's... It's December something, right? First Sunday night in December. Yeah. So anyway, so we always like to do a little banquet for you guys who just serve all the time. Okay? It'll be good. So um, first service, we had a special thing. We got to, we very rarely ever baptized in the first service, and we quit baptizing in the creek because it's a little too cold right now. So this guy in our church comes every week. His name's Jim, and uh, there he is. He got baptized today. Yeah. Jim's 88 years old. Yeah, isn't that cool? And uh, in the cafe, they, uh, they prayed for him. They prayed for 12 more years. <laughs> That's what they said. They're praying for 12 more years for Jim. Isn't that cool that uh, he wanted to get baptized and had some people had to help him get up there and stuff? And uh, sometimes I'll ask him, I said, how are you doing? He goes, I'm still upright. I said, well, okay, good. You're doing good. So isn't that cool? God loves people all the way through, right? And even beyond. Imagine that. Well, let's say a prayer and... Uh, We'll take up the offering. So, Lord, just thank you that we can give to you. Thank you gave it all for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
God demonstrates his own love for us in this. We were still sinners. Christ died for us. Amen. Amen. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. We were still sinners. Christ died for us. Amen. Amen. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. We were still sinners. Good morning. How we doing? You guys all right? Huh? Yeah, well, it's good to be here. It's been fun. You guys doing all right? If you have a Bible, um, I'm still waiting, so it's big fun. Um, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be continuing our study on the Sermon on the Mount, which we've uh, kind of partnering with this book, if you will, of what what if Jesus was serious? That's kind of the question we've been asking for the last couple of weeks. Like, what if Jesus was actually serious about following him and doing the things that he calls us to do? And so we've been uh, studying that now, I think, for about four or five weeks. And today we're going to talk about prayer and particularly the Lord's Prayer and just making some observations about that. It was sort of long in the first service, so I'm going to try to speed it up for this one. Because I know you guys got stuff to do, right? The Bengals play today? Yeah? What time do they play? Oh, four. So I got all kinds of time. Right? Do you any Browns fans? Oh, my goodness. We're everywhere. What time do you guys play? Four? Oh, we got all... Steelers? Yeah, one psycho back there and... Got a Vikings, got the Vikings fans over here. So try to make it fast so you guys can get on your way. If you're a guest, my name is Mark. They let me talk here from time to time. And uh, I always like to start off with a little bit of silence and just kind of opening our hearts to God because we live in a noisy world, right? We live in a super noisy world and we bring all of that stuff. If you're like me, you bring that stuff in here. And so I always like to just start off with a little bit of just being still. The Quakers call it centering down, and um, it's just something I like to do. So let's take a few moments and just open our hearts to God. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come and just rest in us and with us here as we direct our, our hearts and minds to you. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. And God, we, um, we carry all kinds of stuff in here. Worries, pain, anxiety, stress. And so we just give it to you. We thank you that we can come and gather and be with, with other people where 
we don't have to carry this stuff alone. And so we just ask that you just be with us, that you just bless our time. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we're just going to go through this verse by verse or section by section and just make some observations on on how Jesus teaches us how to pray. And, uh, yeah, good? Sound good? All right, let's get going. So Jesus says this. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them, that if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. He says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you your giving may be in secret. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. And so, Jesus begins this section on making a few observations here. He says, when you give to the needy, don't make a big deal out of it. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who who love to be seen um, by all of the people gathered around them. And he says, don't be like the pagans who just babble on and babble on and babble on. He says to them to do what? To go and to do it in secret, right? To do it in secret. My son is taking a statistics class in college, and we were talking about it this week, and I was asking, like, what is, what is statistics? Like, is it just averages? Like, what are you, what are you doing? And he was going through and talking about how we measure things, and I would, so we had that conversation, and later on I was reading this new statistic that they've been started, they started keeping track of. Apparently in 2017 or somewhere around that time, they started measuring this, a new statistic that they begin to see emerge within our society. It was the amount of deaths that were related to selfies. And like in something like 109 people died in 2017 trying to take selfies. And then apparently during the the lockdown, the, the number went down. And then when they let us all back out of our houses, the number went back up again. And, I mean, I get it, right? You want to have a good selfie. Don't act like you don't, right? And so apparently people are like hanging over cliffs and taking pictures of themselves and falling and dying and... Some are drowning and others are being hit by cars and trains and it is some wild stuff, but I get it because you want to get those likes on Instagram. So sometimes, you know, no risk it, no biscuit, but <laughs> what's interesting about this statistic and how it relates to this, this story or this, this advice that Jesus gives us here is that we all want to be noticed, right? There's something inside of us that realizes that this thing that we are taking part in, it's not just random, but our lives, they're special, and that we were meant for more, right? And, like, you you get it, sort of, don't you? Like, I remember my kids were born, um, I was just having this conversation this week with my daughter about, um, about her hair and about the way her ears were shaped. And you, your, your child is born and you, 
you love them and you adore them. In some sense, sometimes we, we even worship them. And we just, because their life is significant. And your life is significant. My life is significant. And we some, somehow on some sort of intuitive level, we, we get that. Now, this is a good thing. But it can also become a bad thing in a hurry. Right? Because I, I very much believe in balance. That m- most of life's problems aren't just either ors. Like it's not, life is very rarely black and white. But it's often, it's shades of gray and it's learning how to live in those, that balance of those shades of gray. So Jesus gives us this advice that, hey, that significance that you feel, that desire to be seen, that understanding that your life was meant for more, that's a good thing. And it can send you in all kinds of good directions. But you have to be careful with it. Because it can also get in the way. Does that make sense to you guys? And so this book, as we've been working through it, has these different, these diagrams. And so on the, on the axis here to the left, it's going up and down. You, it says the desire to be noticed. And on the very bottom, it says intimacy with God. And so one of the traps when it comes to our spiritual life that we can fall into is, is feeding that, that hunger to be noticed with the wrong things. And so if our desire to be noticed is super high, but our intimacy with God is lacking, well, eventually what you find yourself in is sort of this, this slavery where you're allowing other people to define you. Does this make sense to you guys? You guys all right with this? Making, right? So you know how it is. Yesterday I had a picture come across my memories of me and Amber when we were young. In my head we're still young, but then I see my face and I'm like, uh, maybe not. And so I post that picture and if you're like me, you do it innocently, but it kinda it turns on you, and then you're like, oh, man, I wonder what people are thinking about this, right? So you go back. I wonder how many likes I got. I wonder if anybody, I wonder if anybody notices how handsome I was when I was 20-something years old, <laughs> right? You, you get caught in that trap. And, and so there's nothing wrong to to want to be liked. There's nothing wrong to to have that that desire to be noticed, fulfilled. It's just simply when we allow other people to do it for us instead of allowing God to do it for us, it becomes the wrong thing. Does this make sense? And so Jesus begins this teaching on prayer by pointing out, don't do this for likes. Don't live this righteous, faithful life to God simply for what other people think about it. Because if you are, then you're missing the point altogether. Does that make sense? And so perhaps you could say it like this. If Jesus was serious, then we will value intimacy with God more than publicity from other people. And so he says, when you give to the poor, when you give to the needy, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. He says, when you pray, don't be like the, the hypocrites, which is in his uh, context. That's an actor. A hypocrite was a person, was a Greek actor who would literally just put a mask on at the plays and they would do their acting. And so he says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be out there being an actor or a poser trying to make people think that you're holier than you really are. And then he also talks about don't be like the pagans who who babble on and babble on, hoping that maybe they can get the right combination to work with the gods so that they will say yes to the thing that they're asking for. Does this make sense? And so he begins there, don't fall into that trap trying to get the likes from other people. Because those things don't matter. What matters is our relationship with God. Good? Good. I think I took too long on that, so let's move on. 
He then continues and he says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. He says, what's the first thing? Our. Then the next one. Father in heaven. Then hallowed be your name. And and so Jesus begins by laying out a particular way to relate to God, beginning with our Father. And so, what's interesting is he doesn't say to you, hey, when you pray, start like this. Say, my Father. He says, our Father. See, we live in this this Western American culture that is very individualistic. And so a lot of times our, our American spirituality, it takes on that identity of our culture, right? And so people will say, well, do you have a personal relationship with God? And I think that that's, it's not a bad thing, but it's just not a, the way that the people of the Bible related to God. Because it's not just about you and God, but it's about you and God and whom? Everybody else. Because I'm a firm believer in this. You can't love God, or, or I'll say it like this, the only way that you can truly express your love for God is by doing what? Loving the people in your life. Does that make sense? And so it's connected. I can't have a personal relationship with God. Because you're involved. And I would also argue this. That the way in you and I receive God's love in our lives is how? Through the other people in our lives. And so Jesus points out very clearly the very beginning of teaching us how to pray is that this thing is connected. Our, our spiritual lives connected to God are connected to one another. And so it's not simply me, but it's we. And you can go to the next one, Pat. And so if Jesus is serious, then we're never truly alone when we pray. Which means this, you're never truly alone. Period. Because prayer... Prayer is the, is the source in which the rest of our life flows from. And everybody in this room is praying one way or another. The question is, is who are you praying to and, and where are you praying from? Does that make sense? And, and so we're never truly alone. That you guys are always, you guys are always with me and I'm, and you're, we're always with one another. And if you're like, did you have grandparents, right? Anybody have grandparents that prayed for you? Yeah, I, I'm sure that you did. And so it's learning that we're all connected and that they're praying for us still. Good? Make sense? And so it's learning that we're never truly alone. My daughter just got in trouble back there. Which leads us to the next thought. Not only did Jesus say, our Father, but he says, hallowed be thy name. Now this is an interesting idea. Jesus comes from Jewish tradition. And in the Jewish tradition, oftentimes there was this gap between the people and God. Right? So you guys remember the bedtime stories. Moses goes to Egypt, helps the Israelites get out of slavery. They go to Mount Sinai. God says to Moses, hey, I want all the people to come to the mountain because I'm going to reveal myself to them. And Moses tells the people this and they're like, I don't think we want to do this because that sounds kind of scary. 
And so they choose not to go to the mountain to meet with God, but they choose, Moses, you just go and represent us because we don't want to take part in that. And there was all of these interesting traditions around this, like you weren't allowed to, to see God face to face. Like there's this moment where Elijah's on this mountain and God says he's going to pass by and he passes by, but Elijah doesn't see his face. He sees like the backside of, of God and you weren't allowed to say his name. And if you took his name in vain, like there's, there's a bunch of stuff, right? So, so God wasn't necessarily that approachable. We'll say it like that. There were some who would break through that. Moses broke through and, and saw God face to face. David had a very intimate relationship with God. There are these moments where there are certain individuals within the Old Testament scriptures who break through the veil, if you will, and meet God face to face. Even like, for example, within their tradition, only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies and only allowed to do that once a year. Like you weren't allowed to do that kind of stuff. What's interesting is that Jesus throws a wrench in this theology. By doing what? By the way that he speaks and relates to God. What does he say? Our, our father, right? And in, in English, father's very, um, formal still, right? Like, father, please help me, whatever. In the, in the language that Jesus spoke, it wasn't just this formal father, but it was this intimate language of Abba which you could probably translate better in our language as daddy, or as my children call me, beardy, right? So at some point in our life, Evan stopped calling me daddy and started calling me beardy. And um, it's, it's funny, but it melts my heart at the same time, right? Does that make sense? Because it's that intimate love that I have for him and that I hope that he has for me as father and son, right? Or when my daughter calls me daddy, like it's that, right? So Jesus does this interesting thing within his tradition because for most of the Jewish people throughout their history, they could only get so close to God. But Jesus is inviting them in deeper. And so it's in some sense this paradox of that we can know God in this loving, intimate, daddy way, like a child knows their parent, and yet this God still is like, whoa, right? And so there's this diagram. On the, on the left you have our Father, this imminent, uh, familiar, loving, approachable, safe, the God of sentimental Christianity. And this is like... Um, Worship songs and all those, like that, those types of things falls into that category. And yet at the same time, how would be your name? Like, wait a minute here. He's still transcendent, or transcendent and mysterious and terrifying and unknowable and dangerous. And this is the God of the, what you would perhaps call the mystical tradition. Like, we, how can we even know anything about God, right? And it's not one or the other. But what we see revealed throughout the story of the scriptures is this God that lives in both places, which Jesus invites us to understand that we can know God as Father, and yet at the same time, how could we ever comprehend this being that we are somehow connected to? Right? And so perhaps you could say it like this. If Jesus was serious, then God is both tender and terrifying. And I don't want to, I don't, and not terrifying like in the sense that we have to be scared of him. But terrifying in the sense of, yeah, it's God. There's, uh, have you guys seen the Narnia books, movies? Maybe? There's a scene where these, give you a background if you don't know. It's a, the, Narnia is a collection of books written by a man named C.S. Lewis, who was a scholar and an author in England. And he wrote a, a, 
a series of children's books called the, the Narnia series. And in the series, these ch- children go into this mythical land called Narnia. And in this Narnia, there's a war going on and, and animals talk. And the king of Narnia is this lion named Aslan. And he's like the Christ figure, if you will. He sacrifices himself for the, for the, the people and all this different types of stuff. As they're getting familiar with Aslan, they have this conversation with this beaver, whose name is Mr. Beaver, because why else would it, what else would it be? And Mr. Beaver says to them, essentially, talking about the Lion King, he says, he is loving and he is kind. But he's still a lion. Right? Like he's still a lion. You gotta be careful. And I think that's how, I think he, he summarizes what it's like to be in relationship with God. Like, God loves us and he's kind and, and intimate and inviting. But hey, he's still a lion. Like, you ever been to the ocean? Right? It's beautiful. It's unbelievable. Paradise. But it's still an ocean. You're not going to turn your backs on the waves and get rolled, right? And so that's kind of, I think, what Jesus is inviting us into here is understanding that this God is, is both tender and loving and kind and we can know him intimately and go to him when we're afraid. And yet, it's God beyond what we can comprehend. So if Jesus is serious, it's understanding that he's tender and terrifying, which leads to the next thought. You guys all right, by the way? I think we're like, we're getting close. He then says this. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on, what's it say? On earth as it is in heaven. When I was a kid, my mom had these books called Left Behind. You guys seen these things? They're terrible. And I'm, if you love them, I'm sorry, because I'm going to go on, a, I'm going to trash them for a few moments. Number one, they're terrible books. Number two, they were worse movies. Number three, the theology is a little whack. Okay, so the theology of Left Behind series are or th- that kind of thought is mainly at some point in human history, there's going to be this cosmic war between good and evil. Depending on your theology, the Christians are going to get zapped out but and during some sort of rapture. And then there's going to be this war on earth. And some the Christians are going to go and they're going to escape earth to get to heaven. And then essentially earth's going to be hell and whatever. And this is tied into, like, wars. And so, for example, this whole thing going on in Israel right now, there's people who are like, there's some Christians that I think that are, like, in the, on the side, on the sideline, like, man, let's hope this war takes off. Because in their head, that, a war in Israel means it's going to be the beginning of the end times and Jesus coming back and all that kind of stuff. Right? You guys grew up in this kind of weird stuff? I don't really buy into any of that, and I most certainly hate that there's wars going on anywhere. Um, but what's even more interesting to me is like, then why would Jesus have us do this? If this is all just going to hell in a handbasket, then why would Jesus have us pray for heaven to be here? On earth as it is in heaven. And at the end of Revelations where it says that he saw a new heaven and a new earth. John sees this vision of this new creation that, that God's going to fix this thing somehow. And so there's this version of Christianity where we, you can go to the, you can go to the next slide, Pat. The popular version, if you will, is simply this, that we just say our prayer and get baptized and hold on so that one day we can go to heaven when we die, right? That's one version that a lot of us grew up with. But then there's this other 
rethinking of it, if you will, of, of looking at what Jesus says, and it's, no, we're supposed to pray that heaven comes here. And that somehow we have some sort of role where we're called to take part in, in helping bring heaven to earth. Right? And so what does that mean? What are the implications? Well, it, it means uh, maybe we should take care of this place. Like maybe like taking care of the climate and, and all of that stuff matters. Like maybe making sure that, that people have rights and, and that there's justice. Maybe those types of things matter. M- maybe children not having enough food to eat matters. Maybe we're called to help bring heaven to earth now. And, and I don't think that God's just going to leave this whole place a mess. I think God's going to do with earth what God does with everything. He's going to breathe new life into it. There's a new heaven and a new earth or a, a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. And that somehow God's going to resurrect this whole thing. Does that make sense? And so we get to take part in that every day. In big ways and little ways. How am I helping bringing heaven to earth? When it comes to the people at my work, am I living in such a way where I'm trying to help heaven to their life? With my family, am I living in such a way where I'm trying to help bring heaven to them and in my neighborhood and, and wherever it is that you live? What does it look like for you to bring the love and grace and mercy of God into those places? Yeah? And so if Jesus is serious, then we will want to transform the earth, not escape it to get to heaven. Right? It's not this just beam me up, Scotty, and let me get to heaven so I don't have to deal with this place here. It's asking the question every day, how can I bring the kingdom of God to the people around me? Which leads to the next one. I'm, I'm trying to go fast here. It's a long prayer. Then Jesus says this. He says, give us this day our daily bread. You guys worry? Anybody worry? Show of hands. Dude, I worry about stuff. I worry about stuff that isn't real. Worry about all kinds of stuff. Jesus says, hey, listen, don't do that. Don't worry. Instead, pray. And he says, don't worry. Like, just pray for what you need today. Don't worry about what's going on in two weeks, three weeks. Because the reality is you can't control that. And you might not even make it that far. Right? Let's just be honest. The only reality that we have is today. And so it's learning how to live present here now today. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus understands that we need things. And so on this on this graph here or this picture here, there are a number of different types of prayers. There's the Lord's Prayer, and then there's the prosperity prayer, and there's the atheist prayer, and the warrior's prayer, and the activist prayer, and the jealous prayer. And then on the right, there is our bread for tomorrow, our neighbor's bread, enough bread to retire, and Get a BMW? Is that what that says? Yeah, that sounds that sound like a bad idea. Now, it, there's the prayer of never mind, we'll get our own bread. There's only local sourced organic non-GMO bread. Because, you know, Trader Joe's or you can go to Whole Foods and get that kind of a thing. And then there's our daily bread. And, and the idea is simply we've got to match the prayers to the prayer. He uses this in the chapter of this book. But what Jesus invites us into is this. Trust God daily. Trust God daily. Don't worry about the past. There's nothing you can do to change it. Don't worry about the future. There's nothing that you can do to make it better or worse. Just trust God today. That doesn't mean not have plans and not be responsible, but there's no reason to worry about what's going to happen. There's just enough of that. It's learning how to live in this present place 
where God is. Because that's the only place God is. God's just right here. God is right now. And it's learning how to live with God there. Yeah? And so if Jesus is serious then, then we'll become content with what we have for today. We will be content to have what we need for today. And so it's trusting in that. And then he continues and he says this. And forgive us our trespasses as we do what? As we forgive those who trespassed against us. Life is hard, right? There's probably people that have betrayed you. There's probably people that have hurt you. There's probably people who have done terrible things to you. And here's the kicker. You've probably done things to other people and have betrayed them. You've probably done terrible things to others. And the reality is, is none of us are innocent in here, right? We've all somehow messed this thing up. What Jesus teaches us here is to own it. Is to understand that we need grace and we need to give grace. And that the line of good and evil isn't, hey, those are the bad people over here and and we're on this side, we're the good people over here. Is that that the line isn't divided between us and them. The line actually goes straight through the heart. Because we are them. And we are us. And, And so it's understanding That we learn to live in this flow of grace. Where we are asking God for forgiveness, but at the same time we are also giving the gift of forgiveness all at the same time. Because this is simply how this whole thing works. Dad, I don't know where I, when I picked this up from him, but Dad has always talked about living open-handed. And that there's this... I don't know what you would even call it, just the flow of grace that just permeates reality. But just let's just do this, like, thought experiment. If my hands are open, can I receive? Yeah? If my hands are open, can I give? Yeah. And this is the key. Forgive us our trespasses as... We forgive those who trespassed against us. And so I am living in this posture where I receive God's forgiveness all the while I'm giving it. Or I can choose my own way. And often the way that we choose is I want to receive God's forgiveness, but I don't want to give it to other people. And so I close it off. But what happens when I close it off? Obviously, I can't give my hands are this way. But what else can I not do? can't receive and so jesus teaches us the nature of reality forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us i have to learn to live open-handed where i'm receiving and i'm giving and this is the only way to be and so as we live this way we discover it's not just us versus them but hey we're all just in this mess we're all we're all out of control, and we need to be saved. And, and so perhaps you could say, like, say it like this. If Jesus was serious, then we will, see that evil, we will see the evil in us, not merely the evil around us. We'll see that we are all somehow taking part in this mess. Yeah? Which leads us to the last one. Jesus then says this at the end of this prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or from, yeah, from evil. Not typo on my part. Every day we have choices. Every day we have choices on how we're going to react, how we're going to respond, how we're going to play out this life that we've been given. And oftentimes it feels like this, right? Like a fork in the road. 
There's temptation in one direction, and there's God's kingdom in the other. There's evil to one side, and there's good on another path. And every day we have to make choices. Uh, this past week I was having a conversation with my son about his acting class that he's taking in college. And he did some acting in high school. And he said when he was in high school, for him it was just trying to memorize the lines. He said, but what he's learned in this class that he's been taking, that it's more than just memorizing the lines, but you have to begin to get inside the head of the character, thinking about their emotions and how they would respond and and, and even coming up with, like, their own histories and memories, and this is why they respond and act the way that they act. And we got into this kind of conversation about this, and I was thinking about how that's how that's true for all of us. Because, like, in my mind, there is this ideal Mark who's faithful to Jesus and who's a good guy and makes the right choices, right? He's doing the right, like, he's... He's the sanctified version of myself. He's the, he's the version that God, like that's the, when God's done with Mark, that's who I'll be. Right? And yet, there's still me. Ta-da! Who wants to do his own thing and wants to, who gets angry and frustrated and impatient and, you know, all kinds of other non, nonsense. Right? And so every day I have to make choices on do I want to be the mark that God wants me to be, that God envisions, God imagines, God created me to be, or am I just going to do what I want to do? And the reality is, is that I, I'm not very good at leading myself. I'm just going to do dumb stuff. And I have to say yes to trying to do the things that God would want. This makes sense to you guys? And so Jesus leads us, not into temptation, but into that righteous path where we are delivered from the evil that we can get ourselves into. And so perhaps you could say it like this. If Jesus was serious, then we will admit our inability to rescue ourselves and trust that we need a Savior. Good? All right, I'm done. I'm tired. That was long. So there's some thoughts on prayer. So, two questions. Take a few moments simply to reflect on this, and then we're going to share communion together. What's God saying to you? What's one thing that you can do about it this week? If you have one of these, grab it, take it out real fast. Every week we take part in uh, this celebration that we are all invited to Jesus' table. And our, our custom here at this church is that we practice what we call an open table, meaning that if you're willing to take part, then you're welcome to take part. Because our observation of Jesus' Last Supper is that you had one there who completely betrayed him, and yet he was welcome. 
You had another there in Peter who completely denied him, and yet he was welcome. And then all the rest of the knuckleheads, they all deserted him, and yet they were all welcome. And so for us, if you're willing to take part, then we believe that you're welcome to take part. And we always pray the Lord's Prayer um, before we do this. This is simply a way to center our hearts and mind. Obviously, we just reviewed this, so we should all be really good at it, right? So pray this with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the blood of new covenant that's been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, which means we remember what Jesus did, that he was broken and poured out for the sake of the world. And yet we're reminded that as the body of Christ, every day we are called to do the same to be broken and poured out for the people in our lives. And so take the bread, look to the person next to you and say, the body of Christ is broken for you. Now the cup, the blood of Christ is shed for you. Good. All right. We're done. So I'll stand and grab hands with the person next to you if you like. Are they still signing up for? Okay. Get in there, Shauna. Um, if you if you served in ministries over the last year, uh, we're going to be doing a, a banquet, just appreciation banquet for you guys. And so, but we need to have a number of how many people are coming. And so there will be sign ups in the cafe for that. If you're a youth person, like kid, whatever, uh, we've got our, uh, our um, costume party tonight at 4, and so come to that. And then what else? Anything else? Good? All right. Good. So let's pray. We'll get out of here. So, Father, we just thank you uh, for this Jesus who shows us what it looks like to live with you. And so, Father, we just ask that you just give us the hearts and minds to, to follow this Jesus. Give us uh, the wisdom to navigate this complex world as we try to bring your love and grace and mercy to the people in our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just be with us this week, that you guide and keep us. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. See you guys.